and welcome to the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. With 45 years of combined experience in the world of property buying, selling, investing and developing, they are here to share with you their knowledge in the Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle-under-Lyme and Crew property market. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Essential Property Podcast. Now, as we look forward to the end of the year, we only have a couple of months left. Paul and I have decided to have a chat through what we expect to see between now and the end of the year, how things are going for us, how things are going for other investors in and around the Stoke, Newcastle and Crewe area. And we thought we'd kick off talking a little bit about Stoke investment, what's happening locally on the ground in Stoke-on-Trent. Over to you, Paul. Well, I think this is two days after the Rishi budget, the tax budget, as the press are calling it. But one of the good things that came out of it was new levelling up investment in Stoke-on-Trent. Rishi said, you know, the city, the great city of Stoke-on-Trent, I think they've got £56 million. I suspect some of that is probably a little bit recycled and projects that are already confirmed. But I think it's got to be good news for investors already here and on the way. The councillor, head of the council, Abby Brown, who I have to say is a pretty class act. I remember emailing something to in the marketing department during the pandemic and saying what a great job they were doing in terms of the communication. And within 30 minutes, Abby Brown emailed back and said, thank you, I'll pass that on. They'll love to hear your compliments. So she's great. I'm sure she was instrumental in influencing this um, little bit of an investment levelling up investment to Stoke. So that was good news for the week. So we're getting something out of that. The other thing is that we've been battling away for ourselves and also for other landlords and crew because Article 4 comes to parts of crew. I know we did an earlier podcast or you did an earlier podcast talking about Article 4. It's pretty much on our doorstep now. It is Monday morning. Yeah. I mean, this is brand new. Never been done in crew before. I wonder what it's going to mean. I think generally speaking, it's good for existing HMOs. For new HMOs coming into the area, it means they have to justify their conversions and come in at a higher standard, which is going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there is a framework in place that when a plan application goes in for an HMO, that does have to be followed. But I was having an interesting conversation the other day as to whether even if that framework is followed with the sort of officer who's looking after the planning case, whether these applications can still go to committee and we all know what happens if they end up in committee so I think it will be interesting to see how some of the applications post article 4 do play out I'll certainly be keeping an eye on the planning portal just to see how they're handled and the sort of um, acceptance and declines I guess or granted and, and, and declined to see how that takes shapes only time will tell I guess. I think it's fair to say that the councillors in crew are pretty anti-HMOs. Absolutely um, yeah. We've had a couple of runnings with them and we appeared on the front of the local chronicle one year <laughs> for a conversion which was just a measly five-bedroom HMO. Some of our other landlord colleagues have been in the press for slightly larger HMOs but again they sort of paint everybody with the same brush. So I think it's probably fair to say this article 4 has been motivated by local councillors who have pushed and I would probably say that pretty much every application is going to go to committee mm. and you know probably a chunk of them are probably going to be pushed back, which is a shame. If there's any of our listeners that are considering planning applications in crew that do go to committee, please feel free to reach out. I do have some first-hand of experience of getting a unanimous no 
when the committee were asked whether to accept our plan application, which was quite a sorry moment. So please do reach out if you are going down that road. I'm sure we could help out with a few hints and tips come committee meeting day. I assume they are now back in person post-pandemic and can be a little bit of a daunting experience if it's perhaps your first time. I think I don't think the whole council is back. I think no. some of them are still working from home. Right. I think, I mean, the planners across the country have been run off their feet mm. with the change in planning classes and things like that. I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be interesting going forward. That said, things are probably more busy than we've seen it from a rental standpoint. Yes, which is interesting. And we're in need for more properties because there's been a deluge of inquiries coming through for houses, rooms, short stay, long stay. I mean, what's driving that? There seems to be endless inquiries. There is. I mean, all throughout the day, you know, every platform is busy. Some I don't even know how my mobile phone number gets around, so to speak, but the inquiries that come directly that we pass on to our team here it's been such a strong, I think we're so blessed to have had such a strong summer on the back of pandemic. And it didn't really slow down. And when I say slow down, I mean a touch till pretty much the first week of October yeah. from, say, April, April, and, May. And this is both Stoke and Crew. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. I only said to you a couple of days ago, we've got 15 rooms in the pipeline, 15 sort of gorgeous ensuite rooms coming in the pipeline and crew in the next couple of weeks. And I said we could do those like right now. We could probably sell them twice over. But it will be interesting to see how that pipeline takes shape post-Article 4. You know, what will the sourcing agents be promoting in crew? I mean, we're talking as if it's across the whole town. It's not. Mm. It is quite a wide catchment, but there still are spots. And those that have listened to the previous a couple of episodes, we did speak about where those spots are in crew that aren't under Article 4 that still have strong demand. So there will still be opportunity. But those that were, you know, sourcing HMOs in the area, developing HMOs in the area, you know, a change of tact is required, whether it be existing HMOs. But for existing HMO owners, it is a positive uh, when it comes to rental prices and to potential value of the properties going forward. It's just a bit of a curveball temporarily and that will just overcome and just another challenge in the business, really. It's also expensive. If you've got a bunch of properties mm. and you've got to put them forward either for licensing or for the planning radar as a bona fide HMO, then it costs you a few quid. <laughs> I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and I said that every time somebody picks up the phone and calls me, I feel like it costs £1,000. So you want to put in a HMO license, a thousand pounds. You want to put in some plans, a thousand pounds. You want to start conveyancing, a thousand pounds. I mean, it is expensive. It is expensive. You know, electrical certificate needed, upgrades needed, a thousand pounds. So how? How? What about on the maintenance side? I mean, I think in the previous episodes we talked about maintenance. We talked about building contractors and how tight the market is. I mean, we're getting to Christmas now, and that always gets tighter and tighter. So now it must be pretty darn awful to try and get contractors in, contractors in to finish jobs. Will that ease up going into the new year, do you think? Or do you think it's going to be more of the same? I mean, personally, I can't see it easing up. I've spoke to about four or five sort of medium-sized contractors this week who are doing HMO developments and the like. And, you know, even the main contractors are struggling with, to get the subcontractors. You know, it, it, it's just rather difficult. So I can't see it letting up at all. I think that anyone that's doing developments needs to think way ahead. I know we're sort of looking at something at the moment that might start refurbishment in the new year. You know, that's got to be planned and agreed sort of now to even think we can get a builder on site in the new year. And that does have a trickle down effect. I was speaking to a couple of our key maintenance staff yesterday and, you know, they're saying, look, we're kind of like you know, booked up for a good couple of weeks ahead. 
And I'm saying, surely you can squeeze this in, squeeze that in. And, and it's difficult. It has trickled all the way down through that whole industry. So no, I can't see it letting up, which is great generally all around, you know, that the industry is, is boosting and having a good time because they've certainly had times where they haven't been. But of course, when you want a nice, trusted, competitively priced, on-time, reliable contractor, it's now it's not the time. No, it's not happening. And it's, and it's, it's frustrating because it makes it difficult to plan. And, you know, to be on the side of contractors, they don't like letting people down. And whilst it's great to be in this position, some of their regular clients, they're letting them down because yeah. they've got too much work on. They're trying to please a bunch of people. How's the short stay? I mean, we obviously do short stay business. We manage short stay properties. That's taken quite a jump. I mean, more recently, you, were, you had some new properties come online. You were in the midst of sinking those with the OTAs like Booking.com, Airbnb. And during the sink, they became available for a second on the market. And you got £7,000 worth of bookings come in. It was absolutely unbelievable. And anyone who's listening who's in the short stay space will understand what it's like when you're syncing your Booking.com listings with your channel manager and just organising your whole kind of property onboarding. And as Paul said, new property, you know, we're just managing that syncing process with all the platforms and a booking dropped in, which was 25 nights, £7,500, one single booking for a great little property in Stoke, but one property that was for. And, you know, the business is out there and that's contractors coming to the area. There's, I think it's eight of them coming for 25 nights. They want their own space for that time. The property they've chosen is perfect. And that business is out there all day long. And just like the contractors have always wanted their own sort of space post pandemic, that is top of the list. Can we have our own exclusive house? You know, four kitchen facilities, four relaxation facilities, and they're willing to pay for it. And, you know, we have always loved that market for a long time and will continue to. Would you say the market has changed post pandemic? Bit of a rhetorical question, but has it changed into something that we don't recognize? Or I'm still sort of banging my head against what we're trying to work out. Where has all this business come from? Where has all these inquiries come from? Mm. Has there been a drop in capacity of rooms and houses available? Have hotels closed? What's happened? Well, through the summer, obviously, we were keeping a very close eye on our own availability within our short stay inventory, what the competition were doing during that time, and also the hoteliers and how that was working for them. And I would often stay in Stoke and crew overnight a couple of times a week. And our own accommodation was full. I could not get a hotel room. It was like all of the short stay accommodation was booked out, whether it was the Ibis in crew or the Hilton in Stoke. And anything that could be booked online for a couple of nights was taken. It was pretty unbelievable. And it stayed that way since the lockdown started to lift Sorry, in the spring, right the way through, literally until the first week of October. I wouldn't say it's necessarily dropped off at all. I think this week we had a company looking for three rooms in the same house and I couldn't get them three rooms in the same house. We had somebody looking for an ensuite in crew. We haven't got an ensuite available in crew. So whilst the availability is starting to trickle back, it's still really, really quite busy. So I think there's the backlog of demand. So the jobs that were paused, as I was speaking to somebody the other day, they said that, you know, the plans for companies to take place in the next five years have accelerated to now. So there is a backlog. There is people who have fast forwarded in terms of their what they want to what they want to achieve, what they want to do. The government does have plans to build back bigger and better and level up. And that trickles down. You know, it starts with the big infrastructure building companies and it trickles down to the guys that are installing 5G networks. I, I think you're right. I think you're spot on as you were speaking. You just crossed my mind. 
that, you know, sort of post-Brexit, there was this big shovel-ready infrastructure project. So little projects dotted around the country that, that, that improved roads, improved buildings. And the government was saying that we'll throw some money at it if it's ready to go mm. so we can get people back to work, get the economy going again. Maybe that's what we're seeing in Stoke. Maybe that's what we're seeing. But I mean, look, I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm sure you're not complaining. Long may it continue. Absolutely. I said in the last podcast that I felt that Stoke was on a little bit of a rise. Mm. I just I, I just felt, you know, I won't go as far and say there's a feel-good factor. That's probably pushing it a little <laughs> bit too far. But I think in terms of it's sort of it's got its get up and go. It's, it's yes. got a little bit of a mojo. Finally. Finally, well, finally. Finally. And you know, you drive around, you've seen projects, you know, starting and buildings going up and, and all buildings sold and it's exciting. I, you know, I think five years from now we'll look back at this time and think, wow, you know, what a difference five years make in this in this city of, you know, barely three hundred thousand people. So it's a good time to own property, it's a good time to acquire property. It's a good time to to rent property. So that's great stuff. What about quality of HMOs? I know we're refurbishing some old stuff that are about due. It's about what, six years old, seven years old, something like that. What's the quality of stock like? Is are the standards of HMOs and SA stuff that we're seeing, is that steady or improving? Are the rooms getting bigger post-pandemic? Is that where the demand is? Any thoughts on that? Well, I think the market has been improving, I would say, probably for about the last five or six years. There's been quite a dramatic improvement in terms of HMO accommodation across the board. SA is always a nicely lifted product because the expectation is there from the customer. But it actually, I think the improvement in HMO accommodation was actually driven by the property owners themselves, not necessarily by the market. I think, you know, if you've got 100 rooms on the market and all magnolia and all brown carpets, then that's what people are going to rent. But owners started to say, well, what if I put this in the room? And, and, and when people started to put en suites in, maybe that was the start of a slight revolution of improvements. So the en suites came, then the feature walls came, then the wallpaper came, <laughs> then the funky furniture. But I remember there was a time when there was a few people in Stoke only that were starting to improve their properties. But broadly speaking, the landlords that come to us and say, look, I've got a property here, I've organised a refurbishment myself, or a sourcing agent has organised it for me. You know, the quality has improved. I mean, there's always a few out there. We often get approached, you know, will you manage my HMO? And you go in and you think, oh my goodness, this is this is like an HMO from seven years ago. And we usually work with the owners of those properties to say, look, you've done most of the work. You're going to need to make a few tweaks to ensure that this property is in line with the rest of the market. And I remember we did one of those probably about a year or so ago now. And we, you know, we splashed it with colour and wallpaper and bits and pieces and got it to the point where it was just about, you know, in line with the rest of the market and it rented absolutely fine. But had we not done that, I wouldn't be too optimistic as to how it would have fared. So yes, in answer to your question, the market has gone up, it's got better. I don't think there's much room, headroom to go, but we will see. We will see. If if the city is improving, the opportunities are improving, people's opportunities to generate income and earn and career and so on, that will naturally just raise people's expectations of their living accommodation. Yeah, the other thing as well, I mean, I said it in the last podcast and I'll say in this one, compared to the rest of the country, Stoke is still amazingly competitively priced. Yes. I mean, dare I say, dirt cheap. <laughs> some people might not agree at the moment who are trying to negotiate on deals you know i mean compared to some other parts of the country that i yeah. visit it's still dirty and it's still it's still a a stunking deal now there are some parts of stoke where people might be hesitant we've talked a lot about burslem yes should we be buying in burslem are we 
going to end up with arrows in our back if we bought a couple of buildings in Burrs and that were going cheap? Or, you know, is it about the right time? I mean, there's going to be some of this levying up money going to Burrs long term. Yes. Handley. I just think it's a great time. I just think it's a great time. I think I think anybody who is hesitating about investing in stock, you know, still do your due diligence in numbers, but I think the future is pretty bright, I would say. I yeah. think we've got a strong council who's pushing to do more. They're putting the money where their mouth is. They've invested in infrastructure and want to do more. They're trying to attract the right crowd that are going to spend, live and spend and work in the city. They're coming up with, you know, creative ideas. They've got this big arena that they're looking to develop as part of the whole leveling up development. They've got this other development next to the train station, which is looking a bit funky and special, you know, very optimistic. And so is Costa Coffee, because there is three Costa Coffees in Stoke within less than a mile of each other. Amazing. Probably in one square mile. Amazing. And we all know that Costa Coffee, Hilton Hotel, yeah. Sainsbury's Local, they all do their research yeah. before they invest into an area. Yeah. And you can't spin around in Stoke without finding Starbucks or Costa on the yeah. corner. So all the signs are there. Yeah. All the signs are there. Well, that's great. That's great. Let's switch back to crew. So post Article 4, I think there'll be a month or two of just settling in where you'll have a few properties that realise or a few property owners that have realised late that this Article 4 affects them and they have to register with the planning department. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think that people are going to want to invest in more HMOs or do you think this will scare them off? Um, I think it depends on the level of experience or network, I guess. If people were speaking to us about should they invest in HMOs and crew, I would say absolutely make sure that you buy on this road, this road and this road. But if they've just seen that HS2 is coming to crew, it looks like a really good place to buy HMOs, I'm going to buy one, you know, right in the middle of Nantwich Road or Edelston Road, have no idea about Article 4 and expect to do a 5 HMO, I think they're going to get their fingers burnt. So it depends really in terms of how much due diligence you're willing to you're willing to do. And we had a gentleman that contacted us who bought three HMOs at auction a couple of months back, all needed four refurbishments. And when I spoke about HMO licensing, he said, oh, I don't think I need one of those licenses and had never heard of Article 4. So not to say that, you know, he's a bad person or he's done something wrong, but he's probably plonked down the best part of half a million quid in terms of purchase price and refurb with a strategy that um, is just a little bit temperamental at the moment. So I hope it works out. Hopefully he's organised himself in readiness for what's going on, or maybe he, he has had a change of strategy. But people do need to be careful at the auctions because people will be trying to, you know, slyly sell off some stuff and maybe, you know, some London auctions might get some yeah. <laughs> unlicensed HMOs. So I think like anything, you just got to do your due diligence. We're on the ground, so it's second nature for us, but obviously it's not for everybody. I'm going to throw a curveball in here. Okay. Would you buy a flat in Stoke or Crewe as a vice-let investment? I would have to say no. Okay. Would you buy a block of flats? I would have to say quite possibly yes. Okay. That's interesting, though. <laughs> interesting, though. I mean, how many inquiries do we have a day where someone says, do you have any one or two bedroom flats? We Especially do, we do, we do. And to be honest, we've had this conversation a number of times over the last few years and people that we know that are investing in the area that we know quite well have done you know, numerous flat developments. I think for us, we've always looked at that perhaps slightly higher ROI for our investors because a lot of our stuff is obviously done with, with other investors as well and trying to de- deliver the best ROI through HMOs and through short-stay accommodation. But I mean, I say no, would I buy a flat? If a flat came up to £30,000 and the ROI was... 
I don't know, upwards of 15% or so, maybe we would buy it. But I think where we're at in terms of our developments, I think we are in the more volume-based you know, properties rather than buying a house or a flat now. We'd like to buy a block of flats or develop a you know multiple units of some description. So I've never been too sure about the economics of developing flats in either Stoke or Crew, but and it comes down to end values, really, doesn't yeah. it? I know a lot of developers are doing some fantastic stuff in the bigger cities and you know, doing developing some gorgeous homes and great ROIs. And maybe if we looked around some of these slightly, uh, you know, maybe if we looked at Nantwich. Maybe if we looked at, I don't know, a, a development in Staffordshire or Stone or, I don't know, going out to Cheshire and, and places like that. But I think in terms of our stomping ground, I think there are other opportunities, should we say. Yeah, yeah. but there's definitely an insatiable demand. That said, I'm not too sure how much they would pay. I would go down the studio route. Yeah. If we could find a way to develop studios in volume, and I know there is a way, but obviously there's lots of other factors in terms of size and financing and council tax and and so on because that fits nicely with a with um, short stay accommodation fits nicely with traditional by to let accommodation so that would pique my interest more that would pique my interest more interesting interesting i think going forward i think i'm more than cautiously optimistic <laughs> that's your standard right. line yeah. i'm cautiously optimistic yeah. but i think there's and there's nothing in the budget people are a little bit unsure about the budget yes when we when we get the weekend papers we can scrutinize sometimes in the fine print, they come out with some zingers up to a couple of weeks after or tax changes, you know, the headlines are normally on budget day. But on the surface, apart from, I understand that new build developers are going to be taxed to pay for future cladding. But apart from that, you know, possibly could have got a pass as a landlord, which has got to be good. I think the future's bright. Let's be positive as we go into November and December. Let's try and end the year on the bank. Landlords out there, Talk to us if you need any advice, any guidance in terms of filling rooms or new developments or looking and talking about service accommodation. We're here just to have a chat. Don't necessarily have to do business with you, but just have a friendly chat. So I think that's going to be a wrap for us. All right, good stuff. We'll see you on the next episode. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if so, please hit subscribe and share with those who you think would enjoy it too. To get in touch with Paul and Amanda directly, please visit their website, www.essentialpropertyoptions.co.uk for more information. We look forward to sharing with you on the next episode.